This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Today, as Jonathan already mentioned, I mean, talking about parenting, but really what I'm talking about is raising the next generation. Um, what I've found is that uh, my wife and I, we parent tons of people as far as whether it's um, working in the business, whether it's working in the house of God, whether it's in our neighborhood or whatever, we're always trying to aim people towards Jesus Christ. And what I find is that so many people today um, they just don't understand the elements of uh, surrender. They don't understand authority. Uh, they don't understand giving. Uh, many times we're in, a, uh, we're in a culture, what's in it for me? And you know what, Jesus came here and literally in Philippians chapter two said, he says, this is what I want you to be um, unified toward, which means he made himself to nothing. We're talking about Jesus, the God who with the Father and the Holy Spirit created the universe as we, as we partially know it. And he said he made himself of no reputation. Um, and that was his objective is because, you know, obviously Jesus could have made you feel really dumb in his presence. Can you imagine the wisdom and the insight and the glory that Jesus had when he was talking? And you know, and if you maybe you've been around people, I know I have in times past, been around people that have it's like their objectives to make you feel stupid, and um, it's never a pleasant moment at all. And uh, tomorrow I get the opportunity to be with my spiritual father, um, Pastor Dwayne Vanderclock. We're going to have breakfast together, and uh, you know, and I, I look at and I, some of the things that, just to give you a, a for instance, my very first meeting with Pastor Dwayne. Here's a man that I, you know, I don't know what he saw in me other than a whole lot of passion that was in, you know, kind of just in like an merry-go-round. And first time was in a, it was an actually Bible bookstore. And I never knew who he was. And I went to the attendant that was gonna, um, that was selling books. And I said, can you please lead me to a great um, end time Bible uh, study? I want to know about the end times. I was a freshly new Christian. The Bible was becoming so alive in my heart and exploding. I just, my wife couldn't, you know, one minute all I cared about was water skiing. To the next minute, I had seven books out on the, on the kitchen table and just studying the Bible and just trying to research and research because of, I just wanted to know all that God has and I wanted to serve him and I wanted to worship him and I wanted to know who he was because I felt I'd spent 23 years of my life going to church and I didn't know him at all. And I didn't want to waste one more moment not knowing this great God. And so I uh, did, you know, went to bookstores and I was develop, you know, devouring tapes and devouring books and and uh, so I go to the attendant and they said, well, there's the guy to ask. And so they didn't even tell me it was Pastor Dwayne Vanderclock. They just pointed me in a direction. And of course, you know, I don't need a lot of, anybody knows me, man, I don't need a whole lot of initiative. I've already got feet burning in the ground. I'm ready to go. And so I 
beeline way over there and I go, sir? And he goes, yeah. I says, I, I really want to know um, a great end time study. And Pastor Wayne could have endorsed himself. Could have said, hey, you know what? I got one. It's not what he did. He says, you know, he says, I, I got a great in times, you know, um, study. Here's, here's who it is. Here's the author. And, um, and, and then I just, of course, again, I'm thinking, well, this guy's on two legs and, and he's listening to me. And if you were on two legs and you'd listen to me, I was going to tell you all I knew and how much I love Jesus. It had no, I, I had no idea. So I started telling him how much, how, I mean, I was newly saved for a year and I started telling him how, I, you know, how God saved me and, 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 no one, and, and I just want to serve him and, and I want to do everything. And he just kind of listened. I, can't, I, I think he was waiting for me to shut up. You know what I mean? I've, I've met those people. <laughs> you know? and, and, and so he was, he, when I paused, he says, how would you like to go? How would you like to go on a missionary trip? I said, Yes. And so I went on a missionary trip, and I never, you got to understand, I had never set foot in this man's church, ever. And this man was inviting me because his spirit was alive and recognizing. From that moment on, he was my spiritual dad. And then he's the same guy in the first year, okay, our first missionary trip, that put me in a cage with a demon-possessed woman, with him. I don't know if it's because he said, well, this guy's got as much energy as I do. You know, we're going in, so we, you know, whatever he's going to do, I know that he can't spiritually handle this devil, but he can physically do his best, all right? And so I have no idea what he was thinking, but of all the people that had an opportunity to get in there, he chose me, and I wasn't grateful for it, I'll be honest with you. And then he's the same gentleman that has um, taken me along, and, and he's made it hard on me, to be honest with you. I was a deacon in his ministry and, and he made me leave my shop in the middle of a day because of what was going on in the church thing and he didn't give me options. And, you know, and, and I had found as, as a spiritual father um, that he wasn't over there to look for my um, approval. He was there looking to shape my life. And I, I, and I shared this last week and I'll share it again with you that the hardest things that I have had to endure and learn the hardest words that I've ever had to receive, one of them, and some of them from Pastor Dwayne himself, and him going over there and telling me, in fact, in a, in a counseling session, he is my, and I'm sitting in his chair, and I'm waiting for him to tell me how wrong my wife is, and my beautiful wife right here, because my beautiful wife, I didn't know, called him up and said, do something with him. <laughs> so, and I had no idea that she did. She set me up for this moment. But anyway, uh, I'm in this, this, this chair on the other, opposite side of this great man of God. And he said, son, he says, you are missing it. He says, you are putting the ministry, the ministry of the church in front of the ministry to your wife. You are wrong. And that changed my life. It changed my life. I forever, ever have held my wife and my family in a higher place than the church family. And if you've been felt the hurt of that, I'm sorry, but it is biblical. I will do that, all right? I need it because I think the church family needs to see how much I love my wife, amen? And I do, I adore her. And I think the church family needs to see. Now, I don't, I don't do any means to do everything right. In fact, if you follow me wrong, you're gonna go, it would not take you very long to see what I do wrong, amen? And if, if I followed you, it wouldn't take me very long to see something that you're doing wrong. So today's message isn't coming from somebody who's heroic and doing it right. Today's message is to talk about God himself, who's our hero. 
in that I have made my life, my life's ambition to do the best I know in the visibility that I know of how God wants us to do it, all right? And the word of God is alive and truthful and definitely something that we need to adhere to and learn from and inspire from, amen? And uh, I wanna uh, share some passages to you. They're not in your notes, but please write them down because I know that they'll help shape your life. You can't talk about a father without talking about, or a parent, without talking about Abraham. So I'm gonna read a a passage from uh, Genesis 18, verse 17. Please write it down in your notes. This is God himself, Jesus, comes on this earth. He says this to Abraham. Should I hide my plan from Abraham? The Lord asked. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation. Do you know that God wants you to be great and mighty? And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and his families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right. So God has singled out Abraham to do what? That he might direct his kids, okay? Not be a friend to his kids, but direct his kids. Then I'll do for Abraham all that I have promised. So the Lord told Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I am going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I've heard. If not, I want to know. So in this scenario, Abraham is living in the, the time period of Sodom and Gomorrah, a very wicked time. And even in the area of Sodom and Gomorrah, and God says, look, I'm gonna go talk to Abraham I'm gonna have a conversation with Abraham because this is going to affect his nephew Lot, which we're not gonna go into that storyline right now. This is gonna affect his nephew Lot. God, in fact, according to Romans chapter five, wants to call you friend. And he wants to do his plan and his plan and his design on this earth through your life. And the way he does that is because you follow and walk in the ways of God. And you're not looking to be a friend of this world, but you're looking to follow the kingdom of God. The second example I want to give to you is in Genesis. Um, Also, and it's found in Genesis chapter 6, it's Noah. Now you can't live, and the Bible says, as in the days of Noah, so shall it come in the last days. Okay, Genesis chapter six, verse nine and 10. I'm gonna read from the Amplified Translation. These are the, the, I'm sorry. These are the records of the generation's family history of Noah. Noah was a righteous man who was just and had right standing with God, blameless in his evil generation. Noah walked, and I love this one, lived habitually in fellowship with God. If that's not what we're doing, that should be our mark, that we live habitually in fellowship with God. Now Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now in a moment now, I'm gonna turn our focus on Jesus, because maybe you say, well Jesus wasn't a father. Yes he was, he was a spiritual father. We can be spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers. We need to be raising this next generation. This generation, I believe, is gonna usher in the presence of Jesus Christ. I do not believe there'll be another next generation. I could be wrong, but I don't believe that. I believe this generation will usher the presence of Jesus Christ in. So we need to make sure that this generation is, you know what, as John the Baptist did, prepare the way for his coming. So the first thing, and I want you, if you're taking notes, please write this down. Are you longing for his coming? 
Are you wanting Jesus to come back, or are you still looking to this world and something that you can get out of this world? Is that more important that you accomplish something? Because I can, if I'm honest with you, I can remember when I was first a Christian, and I remember begin, beginning to read the Gospel of Matthew, specifically Matthew chapter 24, and then 1 Corinthians 15, and it, says, and it was talking about his coming back. And I can remember going, but God, I really want to do great things on this earth first. I really would like to get married first. I really would like to have children first. I really would like to, there's so much inside in my life, but God, please just hold off for a little while. Would you, God, can you just hold off? I know that you probably got six billion on the f- people on the face of the earth and you're listening to everyone and many of them aren't even praying, but God, could you listen, listen to my prayer, one of the six billion, and could you just hold off for a little while? And I'm sure that God just went over there and, and listened and he was entertained by it. But can I tell you something right now? Your prayers need to align with God's plan, not God changing God's plan. And that was when somebody had given me this book called Experiencing God, Experiencing God. And if you have never read the workbook, Experiencing God, you need to do so. You need to do so. Because it will change the focus of your life. Because let me tell you something, according to John chapter five, God is busy. He's not waiting for saying, you know what, I really don't know what I'm gonna do until Pastor Ron prays. He's busy. In fact, John chapter five, he says, God says never sleeps. He's, oh, when you're sleeping, God is busy. He's busy. And so the importance in this book, Experiencing God is, is making yourself aligned with God's plan and getting his will accomplished on planet earth. Point is, so I get it if you're not that person that longs, I long for his appearing, not to escape this crazy world, although that would be a great thing to do, all right? But I long for his appearing because as I've matured in Christ, I recognize that this is part of my growth. And so where, you know what, as you mature in Christ, you realize and as you worship God, you will have a longing for his appearing. Paul said it best, he goes, I long to get out of here, but it's necessary for me to stay. That should be the mature picture of our walk. And so as a spiritual leader, I'm trying to help you, and as you as a spiritual leader need to help and assist yourself with those two things. One, I want to, you know what, beam me up the Scotty of the kingdom of heaven, amen? Beam me up. But God, as long as I'm here, may I make an impact on those around me. May I make an impact on those around me. John chapter 17, this is Jesus' prayer. And how many of you realize that, you know, not many, there's really like two really recorded prayers. One is the Lord's prayer, which many of us have memorized. And then there's this other one that's so full of heart Recorded in John chapter 17. Okay, it's recorded, Jesus' prayer, John chapter 17. I'm gonna read verse six through 19. I revealed you to the ones that you gave me from this world. They were always yours. Now this is Jesus praying to God, the Father. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you for I have passed on them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me so they bring, they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world, they are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you, Holy Father, 
You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scripture foretold. Now I'm coming to you, Daddy. I told them many things that I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. So let's break this down just a a few points, could we? Number one, children are a gift from the Lord. Now sometimes um, I would like to wrap the gift back up and return it to cinder, (laughs) okay? But they are a gift from the Lord. Children are a gift from God. In John 17, 6, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. So Jesus recognized that his disciples, that they were a gift, all right? We need to recognize these children no matter what phase that they are in, that they are a gift from the Lord. Number two, fathers or parents, we are given an inside motivator to protect our children as a mother would nourish. John 17 of 11, that is a right thing to do. That's a rightful thing to do. I'm gonna tell you something, you know, we, we go with my wife and stuff, I, I see that, uh, you don't wanna get on the other side. She, she, you know, she don't look very tough, I'll tell you what, you come on the other side of her kids and she'll show you some tough. Because she loves, inside of her nature is to protect. Inside of my nature, it is to protect my kids. I lift him up in prayer. I lift him up in my heart. It's in my nature to do so. In John 17, 11, Jesus shows us the nature of God toward those gifts that were given to him. Now, I'm departing from the world. They are staying in the world. But I am coming to you, Holy Father. You've given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one, no one was lost except the one headed for destruction. So it is a God thing inside of you to want to protect them, all right? To want to protect them. But notice that he, was, he used the name that God had given him from the Father. You've been given a name. His name is Jesus, you should be exercising this name. Let me tell you something, I have had three exorcisms that I have been a part of in my 30 years of ministry. In fact, if you wanna know something, I have been praying that God would show me more about a deliverance ministry, personally. I'm not here to be weird, but I am saying that I believe there are more, the Bible says in the last days that there will be doctrines of demons. So I believe there's more demonic things going on in the church, more demonic things going on in the world, more demonic things going on in parenting, and there's more demonic things going on in life, and yet the church is not answered. I personally am praying about having a deliverance ministry, and I don't want to get out there and exercise and tell, you know, in fact, Pastor Wayne, I've seen him, and we've exercised together in the spirits, and I want to be a part of what God wants to do in these last hours. I don't want to be people-pleasing. I don't want to be world-shaped. I don't want to go over there. I want to do what God has said to do, and when Jesus was on the earth, he did two things. He went about doing good things. So everybody wants Pastor to go on and do good things. But you know what part B was? Destroying the works of the devil. 
He went about doing two things. You know what we're not doing today? Destroying the devil. And has, can anybody agree with me today that there's a whole lot of devil activity going on? All right, so as I'm learning and as I grow, I will help, hopefully help you learn and grow in these areas. I humble myself in this area. Point is, is that I believe that God wants to do something strong in this last hour, and he says protect them from the enemy. Protect them from the enemy. And use the name. I have seen, I have literally seen demons fall prostrate by the name of Jesus. And I've seen them prostrate by the blood of Jesus. Two things, if you see, go on. And by the way, when you see this rebellion that goes on, the Bible says rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. I have, remember, one of my children going into a fit, a, just a, a fit as a child, and I remember praying in a holy language. In fact, I never even shared this with you, honey. I just, I'm sorry. Anyway, I had, the other day, I was with these Jewish people putting up flyboarding, and some of you guys know. Anyway, it's just a cool thing. They're flying in, in the water. Anyway, so I put them up, 27 of these guys up, and what happened is, is they're all, they, they speak in Hebrew. And I have never, ever heard, I, I know what my tongue sounds like, my, my heavenly language sounds like now. I went over there and I'm, I'm walking back and these people wouldn't do it in front of me, but I, as my course of my life, I lost my sandals. So I went over there and I'm looking for my sandals and all of a sudden I hear somebody speaking in my heavenly language and I turn around and I hear these Hebrew people and I'm going, God, you've given me a tongue that sound, you know, that's the sound of a Hebrew. Anyway, that's important to me. But anyway, the point is, I'm trying to share with you guys is that God gives us glimpses to show that we're on his path because he's our, he is ultimately our daddy and he wants to protect us. Struggle is real, amen? Number three, we are to instruct them and not just protect them. John 17, eight, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe in you sent me. You know the struggle today, people? The struggle is, is this, is that do they know parents, do they, your children know that God has them as authority over them? Do they know that God has given you that, to exercise that authority? We live in a generation that wants to rebel over everything, that wants to reason everything. Okay, John 17, 13 says, now I'm coming to you, I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. Number four, Children are looking for a place to belong, and many times all we do is make them belong to this world guilty. Johnny wants this, so daddy buys that. Susie wants this, and well, everybody else is dead. Everybody else has got that. Why can't I have that? And we don't really realize the importance that Jesus said. He says, they're living in this world, but they're not of this world. So many times we have gone over there and just, we have a peace. I am guilty, I am nowhere am I pointing my finger at you. But that is not what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to help them understand that the things of this world don't own them. That yes, they can own them, but they don't, it's not to be owned by it. We shouldn't be not longing for the things of this world. In fact, sometimes we should be saying no just because. So they don't have such a nature and say, I want it, I get it. Amen? And that starts, by the way, when they're three. You know when they're going through the candy aisle? And they're screaming and hollering and throwing a fit? You guys know what I'm talking about. 
and you're going over there and all you do is, you know what, if all I gotta do is give them a piece of licorice or something like that to get them to shut up, I'll lose do with that. Because this is really, because you're so worried about embarrassment. I know, I get it, okay? I got two choices. I can go over there, not be embarrassed, or kill them. <laughs> exactly. There's the guy. I get been there, been there. And so the point of it is going over there. How God wants us. I love how the Bible says about Abraham. I chose him because he would command his children. John Bevere said this, and if you don't know John Bevere, he's a prophet to our, our, you know, to the world today. He said this, he goes, don't call your children your friend. They're not your friend. You are their leader. They got all kinds of friends that are leading them wrong. They need a leader. They don't need a friend. Don't be your child's friend. Be your child's leader. Amen? Number five, you are designed to do this. You are not designed to do this alone. You need to ask for help. Guilty in this situation, John 17, 70, make them holy by your truth. Teach them more. Here's Jesus asking God for help. I'm like, if Jesus is asking for help, I really need help, amen? In verse 18, just as you sent me into this world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. And I'm gonna say um, point number six, is which I'm gonna kind of end on, Thank God for this one. Grace makes up the difference. Grace, it's, grace is this, it's God's influence. It's God's influence. An absent father is to take a step and be a present father, not to compare himself to some father who's been there for 20 years. That's a step in the right direction. Praise God for that. A neglectful one to a participative one. A selfish one to a, from selfishness to selfless. An abusive one to trying to listen to understand. Ask God to forgive you and then please forgive yourself. Humor, I'll give you some ideas. Humor breaks down walls. Don't be afraid to confess your faults but also teach them to confess theirs. Amen? Ask and teach them to confess. How are they going to confess their faults to daddy in heaven if they've never confessed their faults to the daddy on this earth? Guilty. Don't allow fear to be greater than the voice that, than faith. Now I want to um, share with you guys uh, about a, a gentleman. And I, if you're taking notes, I, please write this down because we talked about this message here, not about so much about parenting, but raising a generation or literally leaving a fragrance um, for the next generation. Now I'm gonna uh, give you a name of a gentleman that you've probably never heard of, but the Bible recorded him, Jehonadab. Write it down, Jehonadab. There's two passages that we find the story of Jehonadab. 2 Kings chapter 10 and Jeremiah 35. We don't really find out much about it, but if you do a history on this guy, he's remarkable. He's remarkable, okay? Now I'm gonna read Jeremiah 35. You can read 2 Kings 10 in your own time. In 2 Kings chapter 10, what we find is Jehu, and I, I, I like to think of fact, Jehu and I, we're gonna ride together. I don't know what kind of chariots we're gonna have in heaven, but we're gonna race, all right? The Bible says that that man rides like Jehu, all right? Well, Jehu is in this chariot. He's running to do one thing, and his mandate, and his, his, his one mission is to destroy the household of Ahab. 
Ahab has been a household of wickedness. In fact, the, the Bible records that witchcraft and all kind, they killed all the prophets of God. They're just on a, a mandate to destroy all the things of God and literally and bring in all the elements of wickedness. And sometimes when many of us are going, God, when are you going to show up and get rid of some wickedness? And the Bible says that one thing God is, is he's long-suffering because he wants people's hearts to turn toward him. Well, Ahab's number is up. He's not, I'm sure that God has visited him numerous of times. We know through the prophet Elijah and Elisha, and he just will not listen, okay? And now there's this uh, uh, Rahab. Rake, I think, I, hopefully I'm pronouncing it right. Rita probably told me I did it wrong. But anyway, Rahab, all right? And it is, this gentleman happens to be Jehonadab's father. Now, Rahab is the is general of Abner. Now, Abner is King Saul's, hopefully you're following track with me, King Saul's general, main general, okay? He's the person that's in charge of Ahab's army. This is the guy that has listened to Ahab and has killed the priest of God. He's the one that's done a lot of the wickedness and the godly people. This man has done some really wicked things, Abner. Abner, general, one of his highest ranking generals is Rahab. Just remember that. His son is Jehonadab. So Rahab is, in fact, you'll find it and you do a little study that David is upset because Rahab is the actual man that took a sword and killed Ishbosheth, which is King Saul's son. Ishbosheth is one of King Saul's son, and Rahab is the actual man that killed him. So he's not a good guy. In fact, he's known as to being a very bad man, yet his son, Jehonadab, is true to God and is true to God's plans. In fact, the Bible says so much so that it, you capture a moment where the word of the Lord is spoken about how great this man is. And what I want, before I read Jeremiah 35, it says that Jehu, who is in his chariot, racing toward basically to uh, uh, do what God's bidding is over Ahab's household, he meets Jehonadab. Now, if you knew this scenario, Jehonadab is the son of a wicked general. It would be easily con construed that Jehonadab would be the enemy of Jehu. And yet, Jehu asks, somehow there's a connection. Somehow Jehonadab has made decisions that made Jehu ask the question, are you with me, brother? And Jehonadab says, I am with you on this mission. And they get back in the chariot. And that's really kind of what we find out. That's all we find out about, you know, 2 Kings chapter 10. And all of a sudden they do this, this uh, basically this destruction of Ahab's household. And if you don't understand all of it um, in its context, what's going to happen is you're going to think, well, what are you doing, God? You, I mean, why are you doing it that way? In the Old Testament, they fought against flesh and blood because it was the only way to destroy a lineage of evil. In the New Testament, we don't fight flesh and blood because we've been given the name of Jesus. Yes, we did. We've been, Michael, we've been given the name of Jesus, all right? In Jeremiah chapter 35, reading about Jehonadab, we're gonna close on this. Then Jeremiah turned to the Rechabites. Now, who, Rechabites, all right? These are his, this is his father's lineage. But Jehonadab changes the name, changes the understanding, changes the picture. 
This is what the Lord of heaven's army says, the God of Israel. You have obeyed your ancestor Jehonadab in every respect, following all his instructions. Therefore, this is the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says Jehonadab, son of Rehob, will always have descendants who serve me. What a lineage to pass on. Jehonadab raised underneath a wicked, wicked leadership. Abner is the cousin, the literal cousin of King Saul. Following all the wickedness, isn't it interesting that we find that, uh, you know what, uh, David has um, Joab, which is the cousin of David. I mean, you you guys, you see the analogies here. King Saul has a, King Saul has a cousin that's his general. David has a cousin that's his general. I mean, we, we can learn. There are, let me tell you something, even underneath wickedness, a lot of wickedness, you tell me, Satan, all he does is duplicate what God does and twist it. Do you guys understand that? He just takes what God does and twists it. And so there's the wisdom that, the, the wisdom that Lucifer, Satan has used is the wisdom of God, only with a twisted, I want my way intent. I want to do it my way, not God's way. Abner, following a wicked king, his main general, Rechab, doing his wicked biddings. And Jehonadab says, this isn't right. This isn't right. I will worship him. I will follow God, even in the midst of all the chaos that's going around. See, we have all kinds of chaos. You will not have chaos as your excuse in front of your God. You will not. Doesn't matter what's going on in your, in your, in your scenario, in your world, you'll never be able to get up in front of the judge, Jesus Christ, and God the Father, and say, well, you know what, I, I lived in a very wicked time, I lived in a very, you know, a very chaotic time, and it was really hard to worship God, it was really hard to serve God, and I just, you know what, I don't know why, God, you put me in that world, and that, you put me in that culture, but really, if you'd have put me in a better timeline, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have turned out okay. So I didn't turn out okay because of the timeline you let me live in. You will never be able to face Jesus with that excuse. Jehonadab lived in a very wicked home underneath wicked leadership, seeing terrible atrocities. And yet, inside, I believe in everyone's heart, God has a window of life. And he's knocking on that window. Are you gonna listen? Or are you gonna allow all the reasoning and all the excuses and all the frustrations and all the darkness around you to throw the shades down? You know what? I'm just not gonna make the right choices because nobody is making the right choices around me. Jehonadab, because he made the right choice in the terrible scenarios, his lineage is being followed. God, I want my grandkids, my great-grandkids. I want this church family. I want these church leaders. I want this next generation to follow him. And that, you know what, I, all the wickedness that's going on around me, that's not what I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna talk about the highway of joy and of how Christ liveth in me. 
and then I can hear his voice. Do you know what? I can hear God's voice. You can hear God's voice and will you follow it? Jehonadab, in the midst of that timeline, he couldn't talk about what his heart felt because he would have been, his dad would have killed him for it. Or his, or what would have happened is, is the general Abner would have killed him for it. Or King Saul would have had his head for it. But Jehonadab had a desire to follow. He said, you know what? This is, something ain't right about killing all these priests for God. Something ain't right about, you know what? Every high place, every mountain place is just this worship of demons and there's orgies that are going on and all this, that's what was going on. This wickedness, witchcraft that was going on. Some ain't right. I don't, I don't, this is ain't, this ain't right. And he, he allowed the voice, the voice inside of him to be larger than the culture or reasoning or I just want to fit in. That's what happens today. I don't want to fit into this world. You don't want to fit into this world. You don't want your children to fit into this world. They may live in this world, but the shoe doesn't fit. The shoe isn't supposed to fit. So what you need to do is equip them how to love this world with the love of Christ, how to respond to this world with the love of Christ, how to pray for this world with the love of Christ, and how to endure hardships, how to endure hardships, because the Bible says for what they believe and what they stand for, they will be hated for. You need to equip them for those persecuting moments in their life. And you also need to teach them that there's a time to hold their tongue because there's times when, you know what? There's a time to speak and there's a time to shut the up, okay? You need to teach them this. And then when those moments where they didn't shut up and they try to stand up for Christ, when they probably should have shut up, you need to equip them. And you know what? Get in front of those moments. And then you know what? Instead of going over there and thinking that you're blocking all the movies, I like what Dr. Dobson said. Watch a movie that you wouldn't really approve of, sit down and watch it, turn it off and go, okay, what was wrong with this movie? Why shouldn't we not watch this? Instead of going over there and trying to block it, hide it, because you know what they're doing? They're getting their smart device and getting on it. And just because you said, just because you told no, sin of witchcraft is trying to get them to say yes. Equip them why. Jesus was teaching them the why, not just the what. Amen? Please bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I thank you that we are here to raise the next generation. God, we are here to inspire them, to equip them, to, to show them. God, I pray for our prayer closets. God, I, I pray, Father, for those moments of, of input where Abraham commanded his children, where Noah did not have, but he was known as one who habitually fellowshiped with you. God, may that be us, habitually fellowshipping with you. May we live in this world, but God not be tainted from this world. May we pray for this world, and Father God, not let the, the pain of this world get on us. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're not prepared for his coming. Jesus came here to die. 
paid a dear price in the cross for your sins and mine. And you need to make, you want to make that choice right now to follow and surrender him. Or maybe you've wandered away from him and you want to come back to him. If either one of those scenarios are you, I want you to raise your hand nice and high and say, that's me. Please pray for me today, Pastor Ron. Is there anybody in this house say, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready. Anybody else say, I'm not ready. I want to be ready. Please pray for me, Pastor. Raise your hand and you can put it right back down. All right, church family, let's pray together. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to give me your eyes and your power inside of my life to lead others to you. Father, I thank you for being saved, for knowing you. I pray that I habitually fellowship with you and show others that they can do so too. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and worship our King together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved, ask for prayer, share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.